You need the work of God, the Holy Spirit, bringing new life where there was previously spiritual death. Heavenly Father, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you will open your word to our hearts and our minds and our hearts and our minds to your word. We pray that for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, this evening we carry on with our studies uh, in the Acts of the Apostles on this uh, Trinity Sunday and we come to chapter 21 uh, and verse 37. And uh, we're going to work our way through to the end of verse uh, 29 of uh, chapter 22. So perhaps you can open your Bibles uh, in the pews to page 931 and Acts 21 verse 37. And if you want an outline uh, of where we're going and some space to jot a few notes, you've got that on the back page uh, of uh, your service sheets. And you'll see that my headings are first through many tribulations, secondly about noon, and uh, thirdly, uh, is it lawful? Well, first, through many tribulations. Uh, by way of context for this passage, you must be aware from verses 30 and uh, 31 of chapter 21 that all the city, so huge crowds of people, were trying to lynch Paul. But uh, the local Roman army commander called a tribune intervened to save Paul, although he still arrested him. So Paul must have been frightened uh, but he was not surprised. For you need to note two things about Paul. First, he had learnt through previous violent opposition uh, to face difficulties of all sorts. You read earlier in Acts that he taught others that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. That's Acts 14, verse 22. That was the gist of his follow-up teaching, or his discipleship explored teaching. You see, tribulation, suffering, and uh, various difficulties are all part of the normal Christian life. I wonder who needs to learn that lesson tonight, or who needs to be reminded of that lesson, because you are going through some really hard times. Well, the risen Christ, by his Holy Spirit, can strengthen you as he strengthened Paul. Paul's current problem was through misunderstanding. So often, you will be misunderstood if you are obeying Christ. He was misunderstood by the Jews, as we learnt last week. They thought Paul was flouting Jewish law. But he was also misunderstood by the Roman tribune, uh, look at verses 37 to 39 of chapter 21. As Paul was about to be brought into the barracks, he said to the tribune, May I say something to you? And he, the tribune, said, Do you know Greek? Are you not the Egyptian then who recently stirred up a revolt and led the 4,000 men of the assassins out into the wilderness? Paul replied, I'm a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no obscure city. I beg you, permit me to speak to the people. Paul is misunderstood by the tribune as being a terrorist. But the truth was, he was a well-educated, multilingual Jew from a famous Roman metropolitan city and no terrorist at all. So how do you react when you're suffering innocently because uh, someone accuses you of 
uh, or assume something that is quite false. Well, follow Paul's example. Here, he is keeping his cool. And he even asks if he may speak to the crowds. So after being realistic about suffering, the second thing to note about Paul is he wants to seize every opportunity of witnessing to Christ. But in doing so, he wants to be culturally as appropriate as possible. You see, he first addresses the tribune uh, in Greek. That's the language most educated uh, people around the Roman Empire could speak and understand. But then he switches to uh, Aramaic. It's uh, vernacular Hebrew. If you look at the margin reference, uh, it uh, tells you that. Um, when he addresses the crowds. Look at verse 14, uh, verse 1 of chapter 22. And when he, the tribune, had given him permission to speak, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hand to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, uh, this dialect, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. See, speaking Hebrew or Aramaic uh, is like a southern MP coming up here who's able to switch into broad Geordie to get a sympathetic hearing. And uh, note also Paul's courtesy. He politely and respectfully addresses the crowds who'd been threatening his life as brothers and fathers. He'd taken Jesus' words to heart when he said in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And like Jesus, he didn't reply in kind. So there are lessons here for you, not least in seizing every opportunity uh, for witnessing to Christ. And note, Paul was wanting to witness to Christ in front of the top brass in uh, the Roman world. Uh, from senior army officers to the imperial guard and the emperors, we're later uh, going to be learning. So if you have a chance, you should witness at the highest levels. I heard someone talking last week, it was uh, Brian Griffiths, who uh, some time ago used to worship at JPC for a short time, before going south to become uh, head of Mrs. Thatcher's policy unit in 10 Downing Street. And he was speaking on a panel discussion about witnessing at work, uh, at least by letting people know you are a Christian. And uh, he tried to do that in 10 Downing Street. And on one occasion there was a crisis over the exchange rate mechanism that needed some extra urgent meetings. So, uh, with the key people present, the diary secretary uh, suggested a Sunday morning meeting. But, interestingly, Mrs Thatcher immediately said, no, certainly not, Brian likes to go to church with his family. How we should all seize every opportunity, individually and uh, corporately as a church, of witnessing to others about Jesus Christ, but appropriately and in the right manner. Those uh, who were present last Monday heard from Jonathan about these opportunities for witnessing the west end of the city, if we can, how we need to take uh, that opportunity. Yes, Paul was a great opportunity taker, even when crowds were against him, and emotionally he may not have felt like it at all, having just uh, escaped death. Well, that brings us to our second heading about noon. And this is Paul's account of his conversion about noon on his remarkable conversion day and how he changed from hating 
uh, to love in Christ and Christians. Look at verses 2 to 5 of chapter 22. And uh, when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priests and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those also who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. Now note two things from uh, these verses. First, you can be well-educated and born into a good family and think you are going God's way, but in reality you're not, like Paul wasn't. You're going in the opposite direction. So you need to be converted to Jesus Christ and forgiven. And secondly, you can have done dreadful things, even like Paul causing people to die. But you're never too bad to be converted to Jesus Christ and forgiven, as uh, verses 6 to 11 prove in the case of Paul. For verse 6 says... Look at verse 6 of chapter 22. As I was on my, way to, uh, on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. What does that tell you? Well, again, at least two things. First, it tells you of God's sovereign work in conversion while not denying human freedom. It certainly tells you that conversion or being born again is fundamentally God's work which then produces conversion and faith. It's not faith that produces new life. That is so clear in Paul's case. Here he is trying to secure the death penalty for some Christians and uh, imprisonment for others for their teaching about Christ. But out of the blue, as far as Paul was concerned, the risen Christ intervenes and meets him. Paul didn't start to believe and so was then rewarded by Christ meeting him and changing his life. No, Christ met him and then he believed and his life was changed. So how does all this work? Well, this is Trinity Sunday, as we've been thinking, when we're encouraged to think about the divine trinity. In the old Book of Common Prayer by Archbishop Cramner, the gospel for Trinity Sunday is, uh, he decided, ought to be, rather, John 3, John chapter 3. That is about Christ's meeting with the Jewish theologian, as he was, Nicodemus, and uh, how Jesus taught him about being born again. Jesus says you need to be born of the Spirit, John 3, verse 8. 
You need the work of God, the Holy Spirit, bringing new life where there was previously spiritual death. But all this new life is only possible because of the work of Jesus Christ, God the Son, and supremely his work uh, through the cross, his death and resurrection. And Christ's work is from the initiative of God the Father. Because John 3 verse 16 tells us, it was God the Father who so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So new spiritual life precedes faith, but behind that faith is the work of the divine trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, with regard to the Trinity, the word, of course, comes from the Latin triditas, which means threeness. And it's true that the doctrinal formulations of the Trinity came from uh, a century or two uh, after the apostolic age. But the reality of the Trinity is there throughout the New Testament, as uh, John 3 implies, and other passages make very clear, so many passages. For example, Jesus told his disciples to baptise in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's in his great commission, Matthew 28, verse 19. But note, Jesus said name in the singular, not names in the plural. For the three persons together constitute one God. So our one God is eternally both singular and plural, with the Father, Son, and Spirit personally distinct, but essentially one. Uh, and it is beyond our understanding. However, certainly on the Damascus Road, Paul was experiencing something of uh, that divine reality, the, of the divine trinity. He was now recognising that the truly human man, Jesus, whose followers he was persecuting, was indeed the Lord. Who are you, Lord, he asked. But the word Lord is used to translate into Greek, the Old Testament divine name for the one true God, Yahweh or Jehovah. So, new birth and conversion is a Trinitarian sovereign work of God. But at the same time, this passage also underlines the fact that as God is working sovereignly, he wants us freely to witness to Christ and tell others about him. For they are influenced as the Holy Spirit works through our words to change hearts. Indeed, here Paul was trying to do just that. Seeking to persuade these Jews that Jesus was the true fulfilment of their religion and the Old Testament. Yes, God's sovereignty and human freedom is also a mystery of our great God. Because God is sovereign and conversion is his work. You must pray for your friends and others to be converted, and you must pray for change in the world. But because you have the freedom not to pray, that's why you must make an effort to pray for the defeat of, uh, we've just been praying, the marriage and the same-sex couples bill in the House of Lords next week, and for JPC to grow to 2,000 over the next five years, as God the Holy Spirit works in people's hearts. So, Paul's conversion teaches God's sovereignty. Secondly, this passage tells you what real faith is. 
So what is it? Well, answer, it's faith that issues in action. Look at verse 10 and Paul's response to the risen Jesus, who he now believes is the divine Lord. He simply said, what shall I do, Lord? So his first response of faith was to want to know and then obey the will of Christ. Now, of course, it's not obedience that saved him, but obedience is the evidence of saving faith. I wonder who needs to learn that tonight. I wonder who knows uh, that there is something wrong that they're doing they need to stop, or something right that they're not doing they need to start. Well, remember, true faith results in obedience. And uh, Paul's obedience led him to uh, meet up with Ananias. Look at verse 12. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by the Jews who live there, came to me and uh, uh, standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him, uh, for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So Paul was baptized. Now, I preached on baptism on the morning of the 3rd of March this year, so you can read that on the website, church.org.uk. All I have time for now is to say this, that Paul, as an adult convert, is formally and uh, symbolically washing away his sins. And he's praying to or confessing Christ, calling on his name. And uh, the Great Commission that I just uh, mentioned about the names, or the name uh, I mentioned uh, earlier, shows baptism is Jesus Christ's will for his disciples. Therefore, this mark of membership of uh, Christ Church must be important. So believers should be baptised. That too is faith resulting in obedience. What then does Paul say next? Look at verse 17. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him, the Lord, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. The idea that Paul should have a mission to the Gentiles was the last straw for those crowds, uh, as uh, we should now see. And so our last and third heading, is it lawful? Look at uh, verses 22 to 29. Up to this word they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. 
So the tribune came and said to him, tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He said, yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizen for citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, but I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. I should be very brief, but the crowds uh, would do anything to stop Paul uh, and others uh, from teaching uh, about Jesus Christ. Sadly, there are people like that today who will do almost anything to stop you witnessing uh, to Christ. But uh, the tribune uh, again got Paul away uh, from those crowds, but this time to extract information from him by flogging, which was a brutal form, a terribly brutal form uh, of torture, the way it was done uh, in the Roman world. However, Paul, at this point, Paul's rank, uh, Paul, Paul's rank uh, as a uh, Roman citizen, uh, at which the tribune turned white with fear, because torturing a Roman citizen was a very serious crime. Now, surely the lesson for today, therefore, is that it is right to defend yourself and other Christians against the state by using or threatening the law, as Paul did, when the state oversteps the mark. And so that's why we thank God uh, in the 21st century for the Christian Institute, which does just that on our behalf to secure Christian freedoms, which is following Paul's example. Well, I must conclude... There's much to learn from Paul's conversion. But it was a unique event. So uh, the principles are what matter. And the questions, therefore, are not, did you have a similar experience to Paul? But have you evidence of convertedness? Have you, by faith, met the risen Christ, and do you now obey him? Well, if the answer is no, why not turn to Christ tonight and pray for his forgiveness for having ignored or, or rejected him and pray for the Holy Spirit to give you uh, new life. And then you can talk to uh, Jonathan Pryke about baptism and if you've still got questions do take a copy of uh, Why Jesus that they're at the uh, welcome desk at the back of the, the church or uh, talk to Jonathan Redfern about Christianity Explored. Um, or if you're a student uh, foundations may help you so uh, that's the 10th to the 12th of June. So do uh, talk to Ken Matthews or someone on the student team about foundations, but don't do nothing. Let's pray. Let's have a moment, uh, shall we, of silent prayer. Each of us praying as is appropriate uh, to our own situations from the various lessons that this section of the Acts of the Apostles uh, teach us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers.